The Approaching the Natural podcast with Sid Garza-Hillman. Sid is the author of Approaching the Natural, a Health Manifesto, a certified nutritionist, health coach, and programs director at the Stanford Inns Wellness Center on the Mendocino coast of California. Hello, small steppers. Sid Garza-Hillman here. This is my podcast, my weekly podcast, 201 weeks in a row, if you're counting, where I come to you and discuss my ideas about health and happiness, my uh, sometimes conversations with guests when when appropriate and when it's uh, you know interesting to me. Sure, yeah, I can make that call. And also my just my perspectives on the state of affairs of our species, how we can do better. Above all else, I like pride myself. Uh, I like to to pride myself on the fact that I offer a actual real solution. This is not a, a venting session for me where I can air out my 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 netty nut nut every every week. I want to offer you a solution, and I do that via my unique small steps approach, which I discuss in depth. If you're just joining me, um, good for you. Great, fantastic choice. I mean, pat yourself on the back unless you're driving. And uh, glad you're here, but you should definitely go back and listen to old episodes like Go Way Back. You can go to my website, SidGarzaHillman.com, and you can listen from, from episode one and onwards and upwards. And I think the most fif- the recent 50 are on iTunes. I don't know why. Some, some nerdy tech person was like, just the last 50 is what we're going to do. That, that'll be the random number we choose. Uh, <clears throat> but 50 is even, even number. And so guess what was last week? 200. You guys know if you heard episode 200 that I did not have notes, no script. I, so what I'm going to do is go back and listen to what I said, because I have no idea. If you ask me right now, what would you talk about? There's very little that I can bring up from the nether regions of my brain. I can't, I'm not sure. I hope I didn't offend somebody. I hope I didn't admit things that I shouldn't have admitted. Uh, maybe there was some financial disclosures. I don't know. I, I don't know. Did I read my tax returns? I don't know. I don't have any idea. It was unscripted. I was drinking coffee, so that kept me, I'm imagining, kind of sane. But I don't know what, le- what le- le- lets out of my brain when, when um, uncontrolled. I can't take responsibility for that. That would be ridiculous. Who can? I mean, who can? Really, right? Mm. Mm. I'm drinking some Shaga mushroom tea right now. It's a scale of 1 to 10 <clears throat> of pure taste, 4.87. But I'll drink it. Rough start. Yeah, 200 was exhausting emotionally. People wrote me, by the way, whoever did write me emails, and there was a people who did that, you guys are very sweet. Probably some longtime listeners heard a little bit of uh, emotional um, threadbareness, and that is a word, okay? Don't look it up, but trust me on that, threadbareness. Um, About that episode, about my, you know, trek in the podcast world, just 200 episodes, man. That's a lot. So it brought up a lot of stuff and reminisce and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I'm not going to rehash it. Go back and listen to it. Don't tell, don't, don't make me rehash it here. I'm just saying I was a little bit spent <clears throat> between that, the launching of, <clears throat> excuse me, the launching of Small Steppers. It's just a lot going on all at once. It seems to, to in, in some weird way, do that in my life. And I'm not quite sure why. But it's best not questioned. It's just what I mean by that is just it just seems like in my life, I don't have like one thing, big thing at one time. There's usually two things purely by chance that that 
come together and I go, wow, that's a lot all at once. A couple years ago was my first year of my the race that I direct, the Mendocino Coast 50K. And just from a pure, absolute, what I think to be random occurrence, the meal plan that I launched with Matt Frazier, just so ha- I'm going to blame him, of course. I'm going to blame Matt, of course. But it launched the week before that race. And I almost lost my brain, mind, the whole thing, the mind-body connection, just in, in, the, in the gutter. So this time it was, you know, the 200th episode right around Small Steppers. Of course, I made the decision to launch Small Steppers and I just thought 200, I'll do the 200th, but it was just unexpectedly uh, thought-provoking in my own head. I'll put it that way. So I had to, I, I didn't have to, but I wanted to devote some energy to looking at that as it was happening in my brain, but also try to be as focused as possible on the launch. So, uh with that said, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's past now, but yeah, it was a crazy weekend, I will say, and this isn't like a thing, but smallsteppers.com, it's launched. If you're listening to this episode, I apologize, but I gave you guys so much warning, but if you're listening to this episode, it closed, the, the opening special closed last night. Uh, that's, that's me talking at Tuesday morning or whatever. And so some people actually hear it right when I launch this thing, this podcast. So if it's Monday, July 24th, before 11.59 p.m. Pacific, go to smallsteppers.com. You can still get in at over 50% off. If it's after that, I, it's just what it is. I gave you guys lots of notice, and a lot of people did sign up, so I was very pleased at the opening. Um, but as things go, and, and this is like one of the things I was talking to my programmer today. I tr- Trust me when I tell you this is 100% related to my approach, my health and happiness, the whole thing. And by the way, to this week's episode, yes, boom, you heard it. I deserve a sip of Shaga tea. Mm. Mm. Ah, so, so tastes like a mushroom that grows on the side of a birch tree. Uh, it, so launched all the weekend. And then I figured glit. I figured a glitch. We'd have, we're gonna have a glitch. It's technology, right? But we ran. I ran ten testers through this program. We had ironed out a whole bunch of stuff. I found a whole bunch of type. I didn't. People found a whole bunch of typos, and I figured we we were ninety percent there. Like we've got the kind. Maybe there'll be a little thingy thingy here, thingy thingy there, and comparatively was pretty darn successful. I would say it really did suss out that way. Like 90% of people signed up, got their welcome email, email the next day, got their day one email, got their, uh, you know, saw their first week's video, like they're rolling. But then there was this group of people that were like, I didn't get a welcome email. I didn't get the day one email. And we were like, what is going on here? Because the testers have run through the entire program. It turns out that like Hotmail and um, Yahoo are the two ones that just, I don't like now. I'm very angry at them. They, they're just mean. They're mean at email.com things. That that's my my beef against them. Anyway, there's some weird thing where they pinged us as a as a spam for no reason. It's just ridiculous. So we have to go through the rig and roll. So apologies to anybody who was in that little class of people. I'm telling you, 10, like 10 people of, of all the people that signed up, and there was a lot. It was minimal, but I don't like it at all. Zero liking of anybody not getting what I wanted them to get. So I take it as if 100% of people did. With that said, how it relates to this week's episode is you can plan for everything and there's still going to be things that happen and it's how you deal with them. I dealt with them fairly well. I did have a little wake up in the morning and stress kind of get up. Well, I might as well get up at six since I'm not going to go back to sleep now that my brain has been intruded with thoughts of people not happy. 
And so, um, you know what? That's what it is. So uh, it's launch, smallsteppers.com. Go there and sign up. I'm very proud of this thing. It's incredible and it's super cool. One question I got, I'm just gonna, in case somebody's interested, uh, they said, listen, I'm kind of already eating healthy, so it's just kind of okay. This pl- this program has almost zero to do with p- food. I mean, I think I mentioned in one of the videos, like uh, cursorily, just sort of heavy box, light box, mental and physical nutrition. This is nothing, this is not a meal plan. I've got health made simple for that. That's with nomeatathlete.com slash meal dash plan dash system with Matt. That's food. This is not food. Smallsteppers.com is not food. It has nothing to do with food. It is an approach. You learn my approach in an intensive way. You can learn it from this podcast too. But if you want to go to the next level and just be in a program, and that helps people, because I've gotten emails from listeners all over the world, and they go, this is helping me, but it's just this thing of like, you know, this is one hour a week. I always talk about it. This is why I come back every week, because this approach is so not mainstream that what it deserves for it to work is consistent in your face as much as an hour a week can be, but it's consi- it has to be consistent. You can take on more, and the more you do on your own life, whether you want smallsteppers.com to be of assistance to you or you can take this on yourself, it just needs consistency because it's so anti what you're sold in the world and what we are you know, led to believe works. This works, but it has to be consistent. It has to become, the process itself has to become part of your life so that any new behaviors you want to take on become part of your life. What? Yes, that was as, as intricately phrased as I intended it to be. Mm. Exciting stuff is going on with my new book. And by exciting, I mean it's going to print this week. Are you kidding me? This week. It's nuts. I just, just five, 10 minutes before I started this podcast, my uh, managing editor emailed from the publishing company and said, here's the cover, look it over. Here's the interior, look it over. We want to go to print this week. And I'm like, holy crap, what do you think? I have a bunch of time on my hands all of a sudden because I don't. But tonight's going to be a late night because I got to go through and give it one last look. Um, I can probably make little changes when the first, when the proofs come back, but you know how it is, right? But very exciting. So it's it's still on target and it's hopefully going to be coming out in September. If you want to order it, pre-order it, it would be fantastic uh, help to me if you're going to order it anyway. And you should. Raising healthy parents. Who wouldn't want to know about families, healthy families? Okay? Who is not a parent or doesn't know a parent? Nobody. Everybody here knows a parent. You know why? Because you know your parents. Nailed it. Nailed it. Raising healthy parents, small steps, less stress, and a thriving family. That's September 19th on Roundtree Press. Okay, um, I'm kind of boring myself with these announcements uh, that I'm just about to say, so I'm going to whip through them. I will be Triangle Veg Fest in North Carolina, August 26th and 27th, Triangle Veg Fest, California Veg Fest in Los Angeles, September 16th and 17th, Calif- CAVegFoodFest.com, the World Veg Fest, October 1st in San Francisco, WorldVegFestival.com, Portland, the Northwest Veg Fest, October 14th and 15th, NWVeg.org. The SoCal Veg Fest, October 28th and 29th, Costa Mesa, SoCalVegFest.org. I'll put links in the show notes. Nailed it. I have to announce it because if you guys are around and you live in one of those cities, Portland, San Francisco, LA, you know the drill, right? Come by and say hi. I thrive on uh, personal connection. I lo- I mean, the emails are great, uh, but you got you to gotta admit, they're not like saying hi and going like, hey, I've that's right, I've emailed you. Nice to meet you in person. It's a whole nother level. Whole nother level. 
My YouTube channel is still rolling, and uh, please subscribe to that. I, I'll beg you. No, I'm not going to beg you. Look, you should subscribe if you like the YouTube videos, okay? The one I, I uh, uploaded this morning was called My Poor Boy. My son, again, related to this week's episode. Isn't that crazy? I, 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 I sort of wished this to happen because I wanted to have something to talk about. Uh, he got burned very badly. I'm t- obviously, I'm kidding, you guys. Can you just look? If you already hit pause, then I, you can't hear me anyway. I did not wish my son to be burnt, okay? It was more general. It was more like I hope something bad happens. But I didn't specifically say burnt. Of course, I would never do that. That's crazy. I was just like, I hope that some sort of mis- mistake kind of happens, and then I can talk about it in the pocket. In all seriousness, he was getting uh, coffee. Uh, he wasn't drinking coffee, but he was at a coffee house with my parents, and he reached over to get his smoothie and knocked a cup of hot tea on his leg, second-degree burns. I just saw a picture not 20 minutes ago, because my wife got back from the doctor's office uh, where they had to rewrap it. He had to go to the hospital, the whole shebang. She showed me a picture. I threw up in my mouth a little bit. It was a little shocking. It was it was more shocking than I thought it was going to be. I figured a little redness, but this was so bright red, it could. I, I stopped the car when I saw his leg. I thought it was a red light. Anyway, so I uh, did a little YouTube video about the unexpected when when and, and our direction in our own lives of whether we try to control things from never happening or try to control our lives to enable us to deal with these things when they come up. Um, and so uh, more on that. Yeah, more on that. Uh, had some. I work at the Stanford Inn, head up their wellness center, stanfordinn.com. Had a lovely couple that I have to mention. Uh, I'm not going to mention their name, but they live in Dallas. Just had the great time and we at least ended up coming down and we had dinner with them super cool and so it was really fun and and just makes me love my job and having being able to meet such great people and apparently they were uh, referred to me first and then to the end but they referred to my podcast somebody named Sharon I don't know and I'm guessing she's listening to this right now at work Sharon not appropriate that's not professional you cannot get work done and listen to this podcast at the same time, except for you absolutely can, and good for you, and tell your boss, you don't dance for the man. Um, okay, let's get rolling here. You wanna know why? Because I got stuff to talk about. You think that when I finished episode 200 that he's gonna, I'm gonna re, he's gonna retire now, he's gonna phone it in, he's gonna coast to the finish, and that's a little true. That's 14.4% true. But there's a lot more percentage of new stuff that I'm gonna talk about, and so um, I'm gonna bring it today. Um, and maybe this last week I sort of discussed or two weeks ago, things to think about this week. I kind of want to frame this podcast and I think people do it, but I want to frame this podcast in this kind of, you know, something to think about during the week. The idea of the small steps approach is to find moments that, that allow you to essentially recover, but in the very least allow you to stay engaged in your life in a way that previously you didn't. And we have, we have expectations. We we say, okay, I got to I got to I got to get moving. I got I can't I can't be unhealthy anymore. I'm so tired of that. I got to get this done. I got to exercise. I got to this. I got you know this should, right? And that's amazing great. And I want to be clear. I never that's that's appropriate. In fact, when I when you have that in your brain, I got gotcha. you. Then I can do the then I can do the work with you through this podcast or my private work or the small or the the, the website, the smallsteppers.com, because that's when I need you. I've talked talked about it recently. Like I've worked with plenty and this is not a generalization. This is just specific. I've worked with some younger people sometimes. And it's almost like I feel like they haven't exhausted all the 
nonsense yet. They, they, they sort of conceptually understand where I'm coming from, the long view of it. But then they go, yeah, but that thing over there has little red containers that I can pack stuff in and I'll, I can quantify the amount of calories and calcium in the thing that I'm eating. And it's sort of like, you know, I'm glad I want to teach them, but I'm not 100% sure that they're going to for sure go, okay, I got this and this is what I'm going to do from now on because it's a tough sell. It's a tough sell because there's so much out in the marketplace that looks really flashy and really sexy, and this doesn't, and I never want it to be. Because if I try to make smallsteppers.com or, or this podcast flashy and sexy, then I'm just BSing you. Because I just don't think it is. It's a, it's a, it's a philosophy. What? That's not, philosophy's not sexy. You know how I know? That's a philosophy major. When they called, I graduated from UCLA. When they called the, us to stand up at graduation, there was like seven of us, and we were all wearing Nikes. As from what I can remember, I don't remember, but it involved a lot of unwashed areas and and just confusion and 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 sort of a loss of the ability to to explain things simply any longer. Everything has to be, you know. And so I think I've hopefully moved away from that. But it's not a sexy pursuit, but it's real. And it, what it can do is when you take on this kind of thinking in your life, it can make your life very sexy. It can make your life exciting and fulfilling and adventurous. That's a fact. I got an email today from um, a podcast, longtime podcast listener, and she you know, told me all these things that she's doing. It's incredible. And I'm reading this thing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, <clears throat> I'm so excited for her. I, this is what just like I, this is the juice, right? This is the stuff that gets me going every day. <clears throat> but she's like... I'm, I'm completely breaking the mold, like doing something that even in her mind is completely different than what she expected in her own life and definitely what other people expected of her. She's moving to another state, uh, having been in one state her entire life, and now she's moving and she's doing a whole new thing that she didn't think she was going to do, all this exciting stuff because she's taken moments to assess her life, to look at her life, to say, what do I really want and more important than that, who really am I? Because at the moment when the when the push comes to shove, when the decision is presented to you of should I do this or should I do this, most likely, or I'll say in many cases, there is a safer bet and a less safe bet. Most of us in the modern world aren't going to choose between this is 100% dangerous and this is 100% safe, but there's gray areas. But sometimes there is that moment where you go... The, I, Deep down, you you kind of like really deep down, if you really got there, you would go, I totally want to do this thing. But it's but in the moment when you're looking at it and you have 1,800,000 other things on your mind, you go, that's too risky. That's just, that's just, that's just not what I do. It's not who I am. But it really is who you are. And the excite, excitement for me to hear, even in an email, you know they say like email never translates tone and neither do text. And that's true for the most part. But there's sometimes I get an email from somebody and I 100% know what they sound like. In, their, in the way they communicate because I can read this kind of uh, liberation, this like I'm doing this thing and they're watching it as if they're watching somebody else do it. They're just like, oh, look at that person going there. Oh, wait, I'm in, I am that person. That's very weird and exciting and awesome. All because moments are grabbed. All because thought is applied. Not in a retreat, not in a 10-day sit, not in a whatever, but in a just, and those are fine, but everyday life, uh, uh, um, moments are grabbed day to day when all of a sudden you are clear that this is safe, but this is what I want to do. It's not like you're choosing something risky. 
I, don't, I want you to understand that. This is not an adrenaline junkie model here. This isn't, I'm going to go for the risky thing and light my head on fire. This is, this feels riskier, but in most cases, it's not actually riskier. It's just out of the box for you. But, but if you really got clear on who you are, it's actually not out of the box. And that's what's just so weird about this process is all of a sudden you find yourself doing something that is not what other people expect of you, not what you expect of yourself, and you're doing it. And you would say previously, oh, that's totally out of the box for me. But then you kind of realize, oh my gosh, this is in the box for me. The other stuff is out of the box. The other stuff, the being safe and not pursuing the things that I love in my life, those are not me. That's a freaking weird turn your life upside down moment without having to physically turn your life upside down, you know, with quitting your job and whatever, all these things that people do when they go on diets, you know, put everything else on hold, that's turning your life upside down. But when you can turn your mind upside down by, by, by literal moments, and I, I, I mean that in, down to seconds, you know, just in the car, in the line at the grocery store, waiting for your kid to pick them up from school. The, the, these are, I'm not joking, these are the moments. Why? Because any more than that usually is not delivered to us. Any more than that is usually not accessible because of the lies we live, for me too. If I don't have my moments, if I don't have my moments in the car on the way home, I don't have any moments. And I, I have a good life. I, I, get, I walk on the door and I'm with my kids and with Lisa and we have a great family life and we have so much fun. But man, I need the moments and so does Lisa and I hope my kids learn how to take them too because nobody's giving them to you and 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 not only that if you expect big chunks of time where you can reset your freaking clock and just be like look i need a couple hours to myself well sometimes that's that's often not not doable maybe once in a while maybe once a week maybe but i'm talking day to day and that's the consistency i brought up when when i started this episode is this is about consistency this is about learning how to do this process Every single day so that you can take on new behaviors and learn how to incorporate them every single day right out of the chute. Not 100%, but a very small amount. So you learn how to be a small stepper. You think about this thing every, every week, every day. <clears throat> you got a part of your regimen. Then you say, I want to uh, exercise. I want a new behavior, which is I'm going to exercise regularly. Okay, maybe it's not a new behavior for you. Fine. And then because you've got the background, because you've got the small steppers ethic, and I call it an ethic, okay? Because I'm a nerdy philosophy major. That's what I'm doing here. I call it an ethic because I have to make it like a sweaty professor's class, okay? You say, I'm going to do this every single day, but I'm going to do you know a two-minute jog outside. And that's going to be it for me. And that's how I make this now, this new behavior, every single day. That's how you do it. And that consistency is what builds habit. I'm not the only one who talks about this. Habit change is a very real studied thing. And it's there. It's out there. And I just frame it the way that I frame it because I like the way that I frame it. And you can't tell me not to. Um, yeah. So anyway, that all, all that stuff I just said. Take notes on that. We re hit rewind. Okay. Uh. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, here's my question to you, okay? What if you could be healthier but not happier? What if you could be healthier but not happier? And the reason I ask that question is because for those of you who have heard me before, listen to this podcast and everything else, 
you'll hear me always go health and happiness, health and happiness, health and happiness, healthier, happier life, healthier, happier life. And I always make sure that I remember in my messaging, very clear intent. If you ever hear me say, um, I help people be healthy, you probably will never hear that. Or if you did, it was like nine years ago. What you're going to hear me say is, I help people take control of their lives. You're going to help me hear me say that. You're going to help me help me hear me say to help people live healthier and happier. They're, cu- they're coupled always. Because I think what happens is, um, well, this. I think when people choose to be healthier and then period, right? I think what they actually are choosing is to be happier. But we forget that and we make it the word. And really, in an ideal world, for me, I would just say I, I help people live happier, be happier, be happier in their lives. Because that's essentially the capital H is happier, not healthier. I think healthier is a tool, the biggest tool to allow you to be happier, but they're coupled. So if you could just add to your health and be health healthier, but not happier, then I would say, well, then what, what's health? I mean, really, what's the point then? Really, what's the point? But if you can say, I can, I'm going to make myself happier by making myself healthier, okay, now we got a ball game. Now we got something to talk about. Now we got a bigger picture, a plan of attack, which is going to be not stressing your out, stressing yourself out in the process of becoming healthier to therefore become happier because happier is your is your end game. Dig, and I think it's everybody's end game, mind you. I just want to be clear about that. It's just that the language we use in our lives is weight loss, for instance. I got to get a scale weight. No, no, you really don't. You got to get help happier. And a scale weight is, at best, a tool that keeps you on track, maybe, at worst, a completely misguided obsession with an, an electronic piece of equipment with no real bearing to how you live your life. That That's worst case. That's just a, kind of a little worst case kind of thing. But ask yourself that question. What if you could be just add to your health? I'm going to add to my health, but not my happiness. It's kind of a weird thing, kind of a weird idea. Um, so think about that. I've been reading a book lately called Holographic Universe. It's a kind of a weird quantum physics. It sort of questions quantum physics is essentially what it's doing. But the premise is that the universe is actually holographic and they've kind of set up all these models to make more sense of kinds of these kinds of anomalies and they, they it makes more sense in a holographic paradigm than it does in the quantum. I just made myself nerdy again. This is like the thing. I don't know why I didn't study this. I'm not a physicist. It's crazy. But I will say that one of the things I read in the book that was really like, ah, uh, was this idea that we're addicted to our beliefs. Now, I've talked about this before, not in, not actually saying addicted to our beliefs, but I've talked about this idea of, of how recently, even in a, in a freaking video three weeks ago, of um, this idea that, you know, things that are comfortable for us, that are routines that we have, are, even if they're not working for us, are things that we sometimes hold on to because of the comfort associated with them. It's almost this kind of, one of the big themes I discuss in this podcast, you know, I'll revisit now and then, is this fear of the unknown. Because of course, when you take on new behaviors to become healthier and happier, it's an unknown. It's a variable. And it, even though it's like, a, well, why wouldn't I do that? Because, well, why wouldn't you is because the stuff you've been doing for 52 years, you, you understand that. And why would you take on a whole bunch of, of stress to change things because that stress can outweigh the damage maybe from these routines. It could. I'm just saying it could. And furthermore, if you take on too much, you end up going back anyway. So for me, it's like, don't bother. If you're going to go back anyway to the things you've always done because you're a yo-yo dieter, don't yo-yo diet. 
don't diet, don't change a thing, stay, because you're going to go back there anyway. It's not being me being cynical. It's just me saying, understand the routines and habits in your life that are uh, comfortable and understood by you, and that goes for beliefs too. And that's a very weird thing because what we believe about ourselves is extremely powerful, as you know, so powerful that it can be debilitating and it can be prohibitive to the lives we want to live, what we believe about ourselves. But there's this weird thing, like we're addicted to that. We're addicted to that. And I was thinking about this model where in the in the modern world where people have, you know, you hear like the what we think people who have not had cancer think this is like what? Where you hear time and time again that, you know, I have can I had cancer and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. That's a very weird thing because nobody, even they, would never wish cancer upon anybody. But it is these struggles. And these things that happen in a way to us, this isn't about whether you could head it off or what, just like things are going to happen, right? My son, this is exactly my, the, my point, is things are going to happen. And when they do sometimes, not my son, but let's say cancer, it does in a way break an addiction. It, it, it is a, a very quick detox, very quickly. It's like somebody removes the bottle of alcohol all at once and you're done and you got to deal with it. You got to deal with it. And it's a weird, uncomfortable place to all of a sudden have things, your world rocked. And I think that's what I, my interpretation, because I've never had cancer, but my interpretation is that the reason why this is the best thing is because they realize in that moment when they're fully brought to present and a full awareness, they're quickly able to look because their life is on the line at the things that are working for them and that aren't. And I think why they think it's a good thing is because their lives are different for the better, assuming they get through the cancer. They are living a different quality of life. The question for me, the challenge for me is how do I instruct and, and, and assist people to get to that same end without cancer? Right, I don't want to say like, okay, here's a small steps approach. Listen, you guys just abuse your bodies, get super sick, start smoking, hundred just immediately start smoking, and couple that with a lot of cheese, get cancer, and then come back and talk to me, and then we can we can talk about the life you want to live and like who you truly are. But just just take six months if you don't mind, and just abuse the crap out of yourself. I'm trying to get to that end without any of that stuff. I'm trying to get to that end with you're actually improving along the way. That's a that's a that's my goal anyway is to help you guys do that. Help you guys learn this system so you get to that same thing where you go my beliefs, my addiction to my beliefs about myself. Well, this is what I've always done and this is who I am and this is the stuff I do and I'm fat and I'm I'm ugly and I'm stupid and all this all the language that we hear and I don't have confidence and I don't have I'm this and that, right? Stuff that we all have. We all have them. And it's weird because they they are our beliefs in a way. I always argue that I don't think they actually are our beliefs, but they were infused in our brain, put in our brain at an early age, and they sound like us. And so we're addicted to those things. We get those things. We're, they're our buddies. They're the, just the friend who's like not a very good friend. And when you move to a new city, you go, that guy was, that guy sucks. I'm glad I moved from that city because, man, I just thought that guy was my friend until I moved away to a new city and realized that Jack is not my friend. And his name was Jack, by the way. His absolute name to everybody listening to this was Jack. Jack is not your friend. How many times have I said that? Episode 42, Jack is not your friend. Go back and listen. We're addicted to our beliefs. And what I was thinking is things like a breakup, a divorce, 
horrible. I'd never, I would never wish it upon anybody. But that kind of breakdown, this kind of tipping point that you would never get to until in your life, like you would never get to the point where you retool and 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 re sort of re-strategize, right? Like, okay, new way of doing things. How do you get to the point where you're just like a new way of doing things? When you have a breakdown of any kind, let's say it's a breakup or a divorce or something like that, just for this example, okay? This is an opportunity to retool your approach. It sucks. You feel crappy. You're sad. It shakes the very foundation. If you've been married a while, you're like, I'm single all of a sudden. There's like a lot going. It's very weird. It's going to be time. But what an amazing... Sorry, I'm not wishing this on anybody. I'm just saying what an ama- if it happens, what an amazing opportunity to retool your approach. It breaks the addiction to certain beliefs, not to all beliefs, but it will break the addiction to certain beliefs. And unfortunately, it's abrupt, but still. How incredible now when you can now say, okay, now going forward, who am I? Who do I want to be? What is the person I really want to be with? I want to define this once and for all. Obviously, it wasn't that guy or girl, but who? And that's the beginning of this process of true change. Again, I'm trying to get you there without having to go through the trauma. I don't want trauma. I want change without trauma. That's a, that's a tough sell. See, a diet is, in a way, it's, it's a little bit traumatic in this way because it's so abrupt and it's so in your face right away. And, and, and it doesn't always, to me, it's not enough to actually get you to fully change. And it doesn't train you because the diet's over. Whereas, if you got, you know, a divorce, let's say it's sort of done and it kind of continues, it's not over in 21 days, and you go, oh, okay, I'll go get married again because that was more safe. You're forced to reckon with your life in a, in, a, in a way that possibly you never did or you haven't for a very long time. It's very cool. It's very cool in a sort of sad way, <laughs> but it's cool. And so you got to uh, own the sadness and, 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 and own that. And, and at the same time, over time, learn how to say goodbye to some things that didn't serve you. And that's a very liberating, very powerful, very strong approach. Just like eating healthy is saying goodbye to the things that you believed about yourself. This is what I eat. This is what I do. I can't help myself. I'm a binger. I'm all the things I've heard for years. And yet in the work, people go, oh, all of a sudden I didn't overeat. Oh, it's was weird. All of a sudden I, I didn't snack. Oh, it was, it was odd. I, I didn't binge. I, 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 was, I felt like I was going to binge, but then I just didn't. That's breaking the addiction to your beliefs. That's uh, 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 can be kind of uncomfortable, but if you ease your way in, I'm going to say via my small steps approach because I believe that to be true, you're going to see these things happen one belief after another fall away. And I will tell you this also, by the way. You can, I think that beliefs are best questioned. And, and I want to make this point. Just like in the, well, I'll make this point. When you question your beliefs, there's going to be some that you agree with. It's not like you have to then say, well, okay, let me look at my beliefs because they're all wrong. It's like when I have people do the first task. So a lot of people who signed up for the program now are like in the week of, the first week of the of the website is the first task. So I'm getting these great questions about how to frame this and all this kind of stuff. When you ask those questions and you write them down, what's your ideal life? There could be things that you're actually doing in the world. I really want to be clear about that because I think the idea is, okay, I'm going to write this down, my ideal life, and it's going to be completely different from what I do in my life. And sometimes that's just not true. I mean, if you're married to somebody you love and you're in a happy marriage, that's going to be in your first task because it's not something you want to change. It is, it's, it's working for you. 
I wouldn't say like, I wish I, I have better kids than I have now. You know, like I, I, I love my kids. Like I wouldn't change a thing about them. Wouldn't change a thing about Lisa. I love my marriage and it's not perfect. It's a work in progress as any marriage should be, but I wouldn't change it. It's ideal, ideal in terms of what I, how I define ideal. And I want you guys to determine what you define as ideal. It's not, there's no perfect, there's no perfect. See, every time I hear the word perfect, I think robot. It's such a, like a, a perfect, a perfection. If I had a perfect marriage, what would that look like? Will we never fight ever? Really? Okay, so two people, two individual people living in a house together with kids, no fighting. Mm, careful, careful, because there's probably some stuff you ain't dealing with or that it's not coming out because I don't see a possibility of that happening. I don't know. Maybe there's a way to not fight fight, a way to disagree in a respectful way. But man, you're tired at the end of the day. Things are going to go wrong. How do you minimize those things, right? That's the, that's the rub here. You minimize them by, again, full circle, grabbing the moments, taking a deep breath in the car on the way home. So when you walk in the door, even if you get into a disagreement, you're more you and you can negotiate it in a way without losing your temper, losing your temper. Listen to the language there. You're losing it. I'm losing it. What are you losing? You're losing the control over your life and the way that you want to behave in this moment. That's why you feel bad when you lose your temper and yell. It's because it doesn't feel good. You want to know why? Because it ain't you. So if you can create a situation in your life day to day, day to day, every day, that allows you downtime, enough downtime, moments of downtime, to keep you in touch with who you are, then what happens is, mathematically, those are going to be less times you lose who you are. It, it ain't brain surgery. It ain't brain surgery. Okay? It's what it is. Um, okay, you want guys want to talk about the subject of this week's podcast as if that stuff wasn't? But it is. Mm. Mm. Wow, what a rush of joy that was. 4.87 on the taste scale. When it becomes lukewarm, negative 4.87. Just amazing. It just switches right off, right down the old spectrum there to just the negative numbers of pleasure just by temperature. Um, zero sum game. Now, many of you grammarians are going to look at that title and they're going to go, he misspelled sum. It should be S U M, zero sum game. That's the statement. That's the phrase. He got that wrong. Zero sum game. I'm going to both review him on iTunes negatively. And the book, even though this has nothing to do with the book, but I'm just angry about it. And I'm going to comment on the podcast and probably send him an email because I'm so angry. I meant to do a zero-sum game. Okay, I meant to do it. I didn't go like phone that in. But it's a double entendre. And I, again, I promised I wouldn't speak French, but I did just then, so I apologize about that. Um, zero-sum game. Here's a, two, here, okay, two ways I mean this. Okay, One is the zero-sum game, S-U-M. I'll go into that in a second. But the other one was that this process is not a game. It's zero some game that I play. Well, is that, cle is that clever? Not so much. It's 42% clever. Uh, zero some game. The reason I do bring up the fact that this is not a game is because things like the mean, I, I think it's because I'm in the book mode right now. Like I explain in my Raising Healthy Parents, you know, I am talking about the me, not me game, parenting edition. These really are not games. I, I, I look at them very, very seriously in, in the most serious way because I see them as tools that are enabling people, because I'm getting all these emails all, all the time, of living, actually living better. And I'm going, holy crap, like this is a great, to this is great. I mean, it's like, this is what I'm doing. And, and, and I also want to just say one more thing about that email, the person that was like moving from a state and all this kind of stuff. 
sometimes I have this moment where I'm like, am I the podcaster who gets people to do stuff that 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 is not, um, let's just say, you know, like sustain, like, I don't want you doing crazy. I don't, this is, again, I'm going to repeat myself, not adrenaline junkie stuff. This isn't you definitely 100% choosing the perceived riskier choice. I just want to be clear. Well, I listened to this podcast and I just felt like what he was saying was that I should go skydiving without a parachute because I just felt like he really wanted me to engage in my life on that level and I never take risks. And so somebody was like, hey, do you want to go skydiving without a parachute? And I was like, I don't feel like it, but I know that that's who I am. And so I did that. And that's why I don't have any bones anymore, even though I have a lot of calcium. Uh, so I don't, I, these emails are amazing and they're inspiring to me, but I just want you to know, like, I'm not just saying don't be safe ever again. We are in a protective state. I want you to be happy. That's what I want you to be. I want you to be happy. I don't want you dangerous. I want you to have the strength, which you already have, by the way, I just want it to come out. I want it to come out so that you can make the decision that you, I think you deep down already know you want to do. That's all. And end of story. Don't overthink it. But can you get to the place where you make a decision that is truly you, even though it's scary in the moment? That's the deal. Do you get on stage if you have stage fright because you want to get on stage? Then you've won that round. You've won that round. Even if next round you don't, the next round after that you might. The zero-sum game is, so that's the kind of the game part about this. This is a very serious thing. It's These are thought exercises. No doubt about it. First task, the steps list itself, the assessment of those things, looking at these things, framing these things, entertaining this way of looking at it, looking at it this way. These are thought exercises, and I would call them in a way games of ways to engage in your life and also ways that I've crafted to allow you to do this in moments because this isn't like, you know, I need you to do a 24-page report where you're like, okay, well, that's going to take me 10 hours a week. I don't have the time. Uh, might get some information from it, but I clearly got to drop the kids off at school. So this is, again, down to moments. These are little thought games, but boy, they're not really games in for fun. They they enable you to have more fun in your life. I will definitely argue that forever. They enable you to have fulfillment and adventure, but they are they are not to be taken lightly. These are not things. These are, this is serious stuff, guys. This is the thing. This is, see, to me, a diet is frivolous. A diet's like, eh, a 10-week DVD plan, fun, great. If you have fun doing it, great. But it's not the serious work. It, it is not, a, going on a 21-day on a diet is not the serious work. This is, small stepping is a serious game. It is a serious person's endeavor. And I think it's fun also, but it is serious like you have no idea. Because it's the time that you engage and when you do, it, you don't know what's going to, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to come up. There's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, but, but it's so cool to see people stretch, stretch, and also kind of get inside at the same time. Very cool. Now, what I mean by zero sum came also is the SUM version of that, which is that both sides, you know, it's like that game where the negative and positive even each other out on both sides of the spectrum. There's no not one side benefits. I'm in, and so what I wanted to do was apply that to stress because I'm very fascinated. We have this internship going on at the Stanford right now, the environmental leader, environmental sustainable leadership, environmental leadership intern. You think I know the name? They're like a month in environmental leadership sustain uh, internship. Gee, mini Christmas. Anyhow, one of the questions we have these discussions every week, and one of the questions was I asked last week, which was, "What do you guys think?" And these are college students. What do you think? stops people from 
changing when they're presented with the information that they even believe that would now allow them to change for the better? It's a very complicated question and one that I'm very fascinated with because time and time again, and in my own life too, we, we read something and we go, yes, that's, that is going to get me out of this thing that I do and make my life better. And we don't change. We don't change. Now, part of that I just addressed in this, in this week's episode, which is that we're addicted to our beliefs. And even though we consciously look at something and say, okay, well, that's a better way of doing things. Or look at that person's healthier and happier than I am. They seem to have it dialed in. I, I'm just not going to do what they do because I'm going to protect this thing that I, that I believe and I'm addicted to believing. So what stops people? And I think that as I'm fascinated with it because I believe this to be true. I believe if you put yourself in a stressful situation by making that change, or the alternative is you avoid that stress by not making that change, I think you're still causing yourself stress. I think you're either way, there's a, it's a zero-sum game. There is no way that I look at it to minimize your overall stress. It's going to even out. Whether you put yourself in a little stress to make a change or you get into this self-protection mode to not change anything and you, and you, you, you devote a whole bunch of energy to, to protecting and justifying, there's stress there too. There's stress either way. So my sell to you is why wouldn't you or why don't you just try to put your to be if you're going to be stressed anyway you might as well be stressed and just try some new stuff that is weird and different and what you wouldn't have ordinarily defined as you but then you find out is you that's amazing if you feed yourself well and you can reduce your overall stress and and that's great but if you take on too much you're going to cause yourself too much stress and then if you try to not change the way you eat because you, this is how you always eat and you just protect it and nobody can tell me what to do. You're causing yourself self-stress that way. To me, it's just both sides. It's just, it's just both sides of that deal. Whether you protect yourself and don't change a thing or do, or do something to, to alleviate stress, but that's stressful in the process. And what I've always said from day one, by the way, is small steps are stress. Anything new you take on is stress, period. It is stress. Now, I say always adaptive stress, phenomenal. Acute, crazy stress, not phenomenal. But I want you to understand that some people don't do something that they know is going to make their lives better because they perceive it to be acute stress. If I change, I could never give up cheese. Well, when you make that statement, the idea that you have about it is that if you gave up cheese, it would make your life not just like, oh, it's kind of a bummer. I don't, get to eat. I don't eat cheese anymore. It's like it ruins your life. But I would say zero-sum game because that kind of justifying in your mind and that kind of language can prevent you from making changes. And when you hold on to those things, that causes you stress also on a physical and mental level by not. Once you know and don't act, you're going to be stressed. Once you know and do act, you're going to be stressed because you're taking on something you weren't before. That is the definition of stress. It's doing something that is not in the perfect allostasis kind of balance in your mind and body, this kind of balance. Whenever you sway either way, it's going to happen. I want you to understand that when you put yourself into stressful situations with intent, 
I think that is a positive adaptive stress. I think it is a positive, I won't say adaptive, it's a positive stress. It brings you joy. And I think that it's much more fulfilling if you're going to do either way. If you're going to, in other words, zero sum game. If you're going to be stressed either way, if you're going to be stressed because you changed your diet or you're going to be stressed because you're going to fight like a crazy person to never change your diet at all, you're going to be stressed either way. So again, I believe if you make the change because you know things now and you do, put your email address in my uh, homepage, SidGarzahillman.com, get the first chapter of my book, read that. Now you know enough about nutrition to live extremely healthy in the food, in the food realm. Again, happiness has got to come along too. So how are you going to do that, right? That's what I'm talking about here. How do you minimize the stress of the situation? I think when you make a change that is going to be stressful, but you do it with intent and you do it with control and you do it with an ethic of self-care, you bring yourself joy in that process. Way more joy than you do when you expend the energy to avoid that perceived stress because you're going to cause yourself stress by doing that. I hope I'm not being confused, confusing here. But if you, if you give up cheese, that's going to be stressful for you. Bring in all sorts of healthy food and you kind of give up cheese, that's going to be stressful. But so is continuing to eat cheese when it doesn't make you feel better. I'm just using cheese because I always make fun of it. But continuing to do something that doesn't get, bring you joy, that is protective and closed and not open. Or, you know, and this is the, this is the idea, right, of the small steps is you don't just give up cheese day one, but you start the move. You begin the process. And when you do, you minimize the stress of the process for sure because you can't avoid all stress. So you might as well try to minimize it where you can. But I just think at the end of the day, this protective kind of idea of not changing. Look, why am I talking about change so much? Because this is the nut. I mean, this is the thing. This is the, the challenge and the... By the way, the inspiration of my small steps approach came from this thing of like, I'm handing people recommendations about food when I'm a nutritionist nine years ago, and people aren't following it. And I couldn't compute. I couldn't compute it. I was like, what? Wait, what a second. This isn't a diet. Why aren't they following my recommendations until I realized it was totally a diet that I was doing? It was just like a personalized diet. But I didn't give people the tools to assess and ease in all the things that are like absolutely crucial to long-term change. I want you guys to train yourselves for long-term change. This is train. Small steps thinking this way is training. It's saying, look, I'm going to be stressed either way. This comes back to the video that I did uh, uh, about my son, my poor boy, because I wanted 100% of things not to go wrong with my with smallsteppers.com. I, of course, did not want my son to ever get hurt, never do want him to get hurt. Now, I can go nutty nut nut and try to keep my son locked in a house with a bunch of, of foam and bubble wrap around every corner of the house so that he never gets injured again. But clearly there's stress associated with that. Do you see? And it's going to be a zero-sum game. There's going to be stress that way, and there's going to be the stress because my son got burnt over the weekend. It's going to happen. How do I best deal with it? I minimize it where I can, and I learn how to develop my own way of thinking so that when it does happen, I'm the person that I need to be in that situation that is calm and can take care of problems and doesn't freak out and doesn't have a panic attack and can be there for my other kids and live an example of strength and control. 
so that I'm not like freaking out. Like, oh my God, what do I do? Running around crazy. My son needs me to take care of stuff. He needs Lisa to take care of stuff. That's a job we have to do in our lives if we want to be good parents. That's the, by the way, the premise of my entire book. Is we, it is our job, and it is our job as people in our lives with everybody that we interact with to be more ourselves the best we can every day, each day, forever and ever and ever. Because when we do that, we do the things of life better. We say, I got it. I can't avoid stress. Because every time I try to avoid stress, I cause myself stress. So that, that's a given. Done, done, done. So if I can't avoid stress, then let me decide to put it where I want. Let me decide to bring it in where I can and want to because I want to grow and I want to evolve. And when I do that, I'm not only growing and evolving, I'm also teaching myself to deal with a little bit of stress. I'm teaching myself to take care of myself. I'm training myself so that when other things happen that are not in my control, like the things I just listed, I'm in a completely different way and better place to deal with those things. The fact of the matter is, I could do way more than I'm doing to, uh, to help my son avoid ever getting hurt. But guess what? He's going to get hurt. I still can't even fix that. I can't fix it. There are things we can't fix in our lives. And the more we understand that, and the less we over time learn to think about that stuff, the less we do. And every time we have this fear, of which I do, of my children going to school and say, okay, but I'm choosing to put them in school, but I'm going to now devote and divert that time and attention to me to develop strength in myself, then we win. If we sit at home stewing and be living in fear all the time, we are causing ourselves stress. If we keep our kids home and never do experiences and never get into a car because statistics show that it's a dangerous mode of transportation, which it totally is, we don't. We cause ourselves stress by avoiding that stress. It's a zero-sum game. There's no way to get around it, but there is a way to control it more than you do. Can we control everything? Of course not. Can we control how we grow and evolve as individuals to help us deal with stress better in our lives? You bet your ass. Absolutely. And a lot of times when I'm, so when I teach classes, I'll I'll end with this kind of scenario. The, I tell people to picture these videos we've all seen about a lion, you know, chasing a zebra in the wild. And, and it's over in a matter of seconds. I mean, I, I usually count out 10 seconds in class and it's a very long time when you actually count 10 seconds and pay attention to 10 seconds. It's quite a long time. So in, in most cases, a lion would just, that's enough time, 10 seconds, boom. Two scenarios are going to happen. One is that zebra is going to die, or two, the zebra is going to escape. But so let's assume the death thing doesn't happen for the sake of my argument. But I would say, like, if the zebra dies or the stress is over, I, I would say that. That's just a guess, but I'm hoping that to be true. But let's say the zebra escapes. What that zebra is going to get after the escape is a period of, this is just generally speaking, of downtime, of recovery. The zebra, all the things that happen in the zebra's body to react to that stress. That, that happens with this, the flood of stress hormones. Blood pressure up, heart rate up, energy out of the, out of the fat cells into flood in the blood, bloodstream. Digestion slows down, repair slows down, all these kinds of things, the stress response. They return to normal in recovery time. They return to normal. But we don't get that in the modern world. We do not get enough recovery time, in my opinion. And I believe that to be true because I don't think we're thriving as a species, I don't think we're getting less stress. I don't think we're dealing with stress. Better, we're getting, it's harder to make a living now than it ever was before. It's harder 
you know, healthcare. It's all these things that are hard on us. It's a stress on us. Living, sending our kids to school, watching the news. We're flooded with things that put our, ourselves into stress when we're not even actually physically confronted with stress. We're still dealing with stress a lot. We've got to figure out the recovery time. We've got to figure out how to grab recovery time. That is the moment. We don't get what the zebra gets. Rejoin the herd, hang out, go eat some grass, chill, and hope that next time the lion coincidentally doesn't come after that same zebra again. We have got to figure out how to fight for the moments that we need to build in more recovery than we have now. And when we figure that out, when we apply thought, and attention to our lives, because there's no, you can listen to my system till the cows come home, but until you actually use my system to look at your life and assess your day at the end of the day and say, you know what, I was waiting in line at the bathroom. I, I, instead of checking my phone, that wasn't really me. I could have just kind of taken some deep breaths and kind of thought about maybe the, you know, some craft that I wanted to do or some art that I wanted to, just a little thought. I, I'm not, I wasn't even doing anything about it, but man, it would have been cool if I just thought about it. And you look at your day and you assess your day and you find, okay, next time in line, I'll check the news, but I'm going to wait one minute before I check the news. And I'm just going to take some deep breaths. I'm going to kind of calm myself down. I'm going to build that recovery. And overall, stress is lowered. Look, we are addicted to our beliefs. There are things that we're going to hold on to. And that's going to, if they're not serving us, it's going to cause us stress. Just like if we let those go abruptly and take on new things. Again, zero-sum game, either way. You're doing new things, you're stressed. You're trying to hold on to old things, you're stressed. But overall stress can lower. We can lower overall stress so that the amount of stress we take on when we take on a new behavior can be minimized if we do it in my small steps fashion. Likewise, the amount of stress we incur by protecting and holding on to things can be minimized when we let things go in an easy, controlled fashion, when we look at the beliefs that we're addicted to and allow and, and look deeply at them and allow them to, to materialize and say, and, and so that we can assess them, then we can minimize that stress. We don't do it all at once. We don't look at every belief we have all at once and go, that's wrong and that's wrong and I'm crappy for believing that this long. We do little bits and we minimize stress on both sides of that, of that wall. The stress of taking on and the stress of avoiding. We can minimize that overall thing and we live better as a result. That is the recovery time. When we minimize the stress, we have more time for rest and recovery and retooling and regrounding and all the things I talk about reconnecting with our lives. But it takes looking and it takes attention. It takes paying actual attention to your life and, and saying, I'm going to look for it here. I'm going to look for it here. I'm going to look for it here. If you get a vacation, bonus. Great. But let's assume that you need a day-to-day vacation. You need a mini vacations throughout every day of your life for the rest of your life for you to thrive. That's just what I believe. And I also believe it's there. There are moments there for you sitting on a subway. There are moments for you driving in a car. There's moments for you before you turn your television on at night. There's moments for you before you pick up your phone and text somebody or check the news. There are moments to be had. I'm just trying to sell you on the value of those moments. You think that's not enough. I think that's everything. That's what I think. All right, you guys. I'm going to wrap it up today. I want you this week to consider, don't even do it, but consider trying something new and the stress of that. Just look at it. Don't even do the thing, but just go, what if I did? 
would that be stressful and weird and, and weird? But it, how would that compare to the stress I'm feeling by not taking on new things, doing things out of the supposed box that I created in the first place? That really isn't me. Take a look. Five minutes. Set a timer for me. Five minutes on a Wednesday because it's a great day. Five minutes. You can find five minutes. And for that five minutes, and when that timer goes off, you stop. But for that five minutes, ask yourself, make one move to say, here's what, who I am. Here's what I would do if I were actually me. It's that the what would I do thing that I talk about. What would I do in this situation? What would I do? Ask the question. Five minutes. That's all I'm asking this week, okay? Five freaking minutes. Can you just, can you just... You guys are doing awesome. Email me at podcast at sidgarzahillman.com. That's podcast at sidgarzahillman.com if you have any questions or concerns. Um, if you are trying to order my Approaching the Natural book, I believe this is kind of exciting, but it's kind of cool, but the first printing is sold out. I think there's like 30 copies left. It's crazy. So their publisher is going to be reprinting. Um, the, he says people can still order because um, there's 30 copies left, but it's on its way out. So anyway, um, order, but but I think they're going to go to print too. So it's kind of weird. Like my first book is going to be print and my second book is printing almost at the exact same time. That's insane. All right, you guys, hang out with me next week because I will be here for episode 202. And in the meantime, uh, do me a huge, huge favor. I know I'm a small stepper, but do me this humongo gigantic favor, which is be well.
asking you now to be ready mm-hmm. Right now I'm asking you If I sit down 